This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about maraschino cherries. Indeed. The cherry on top, which was definitely <laughs> my least favorite part of dessert as a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I loved oh. them as a kid. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I just, They were so red. The, the color is intriguing. <laughs> and we will talk a lot about that. Um, I did just drive mere hours ago. I was at the beach, Lauren. Oh, my hours ago. Goodness. And okay. a popular drink in L.A., which here stands for Lower Alabama, <laughs> is called the Bushwhacker, which is essentially like a grown-up milkshake, but not as sweet as a mudslide. I like them a lot. Okay. But they always, except for my favorite one, most of them come with a, a cherry, a, a bright maraschino cherry, and it's probably the only time of year I encounter them these days. Yeah. Yes, the, that is a true statement. I was going to say, except we did get one on our daiquiri, but that was not a maraschino cherry. That was a different type of cherry that we will be talking about as well. No, th- that is also a maraschino cherry. It's just a different type a different of maraschino type. cherry. Okay. Exactly, yes. There's there's some words that are happening here, and I do call those neon red ones like cancer cherries now because I feel <laughs> like the flavor profile is mostly cancer. You, you bite into it and you're like, you're like mm, mm, hints of cancer. Yeah. Hmm, okay. It's very cancer forward. Here's uh, <laughs> cancer forward is not something that I uh, would like a product of mine to be described as, but 
Yeah, I'm probably not making any friends in marketing <laughs> right no. now. I don't think so. So here we're going to start a quote with a quote for this episode. Anybody that's poured a fair share of drinks in their life would never complain about a maraschino cherry. It's like getting mad at soda water. Oh. Yeah. And this is from the owner of Portland's Matador, Angelo Puccinelli. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. And the, kind of one of the reasons we're talking about this is because our our colleague, uh, Robert Lamb, wrote an article a while back and sent it to us. Uh, yeah, he wrote an article for Atlas Obscura, or uh, Gastro Obscura specifically, called How a Vibrant Factory-Made Sweet Usurped the Original Maraschino Cherry. So, um, yeah, thanks to him for the topic tip um, and also for the excellent transition with that title to our favorite question. Maraschino cherries. What are they? And it's a pretty good question in this case. It is an excellent question. Well, a maraschino cherry is, at its core, at its pit, at its pitless core, a sweetened, preserved cherry with or without its stem and its pit. But there are two essential forms of the maraschino cherry, uh, the kind preserved in sweetened cherry juice or cherry liqueur and the kind preserved in sweetened other stuff. The former tends to be a deep scarlet red in color with like a rich, bright flavor and an almost gummy type chew, like gummy candy sort of chew. And the latter tends to be a sort of day glow, a semi-transparent shade of red with a sweet sort of like cherry lollipop flavor and and a little bit of a crunch, Uh, like an apple, not like a granola. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The latter can also come in other colors, notably day glow or shamrock green, um, but also yellow, orange, and blue, and can come in flavors other than cherry. Really? <laughs> there are to- some of the blue ones are like blue raspberry flavored. Oh my goodness. I did not know this. Of course they are. Of course. <laughs> you typically find these bright red fruits on top of Sundays are garnishing certain cocktails, like, say, a Manhattan. And these days, the, uh, the that first less sciencey kind can also be found in cocktails again. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how these two products that are quite different yes. in experience um, came to be known by the same name is a matter of history. But for now, let's talk about the science of how they happen. <laughs> yes, because there is a lot of science involved. Yes. Well, there's science in both versions because it's it's preservation. You're looking to uh, preserve cherries so that, you know, bacteria and mold and stuff won't eat them before you get a chance to. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's all science. But okay, let's let's start with the kind that's made with cherry juice or or, or cherry booze. Um, the type of cherries used for these is typically a sour or tart cherries, any of several varieties within the species, Prunus cerasus. And there are two main subgroups here, the nearly black maroon super tart morellos, uh, which are pigmented red all the way through, and the lighter or brighter red kind of medium tart amorel or Kentish cherries, which have a clear yellow pinkish flesh. The classic sour cherry used for maraschino cherries is called the marasca. I feel like I just said that in the most American way possible. <laughs> I I know that that's more correct, but I always say mascara in my head because <laughs> it's kind of close. It, oh, the yeah. letters are there. It, they, 
They are. It's definitely not the mascara. It is not the mascara cherry. That's a different thing. The marasca. Um, and it is a type of morello. And the cherries um, for, for, for this process are brined in a salt solution for at least half a day to, again, prevent microbial growth, um, then rinsed really well, and then soaked in a solution of uh, sugar and cherry juice packed and uh, the jar will be pasteurized to inactivate any unwelcome microbes like Clostridium botulinum um, that could make people sick down the line. Traditionally, they were, instead of being brined first, maybe just soaked in alcohol because that will also pretty much keep bacteria at bay. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, the maraschino cherries produced via the more modern preservation sciences, um, are almost certainly made from sweet cherries, um, any of several varieties within the species Prunus avium. And here in the United States, it's probably the variety Royal Anne or Queen Anne cherries. These are similar to to Rainier cherries, if you've ever seen those in your supermarket. They're kind of like golden blush colored and way less acidic and more sugary, aka sweeter, than any of those cherries over in the tart uh, Prunus cerasis species. And I didn't know that these were two separate species, technically, but... They I, are. I really know very little about cherries. Me neither, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Um, so, okay, okay. You, again, are going to want to brine these cherries, but in this case, you're going to do it in two different preservative solutions. First, a sodium sulfite solution, and then a sodium chloride solution. And this will prevent most uh, yeast, mold, bacteria, stuff like that from growing in the cherries, but it will also leach out their color giving you, after the first solution, these pale yellow cherries with maybe some brown from any bruising they've experienced. And then, after the second one, snowy white cherries. Huh. Which, weird, weird looking. Can you imagine, like, having vanilla ice cream and then a snow white white cherry on top? Mm. (laughs) Be weird. Don't like it. Mm -mm. And this process actually takes a couple of weeks. You then pit the cherries and wash out all the brine, which is such a thorough process that it also removes basically anything that's water-soluble, like sugars and flavors. Uh, None of the brine should be in the cherries by the time they get to you, but still, it's it's pretty nasty stuff, um, and disposing of it is apparently a really huge environmental and economic problem in the industry. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, no good. Um, So, okay. You've got got this blank canvas. (laughs) Of, of, of cherry that it's I, it's still technically a cherry I suppose but you need to add any kind of flavor or color um, back in so yeah solution of sugar flavor coloring um, and a few preservatives like a potassium sorbate and sodium benzoate to prevent microbial growth and to thus make the final product shelf stable because we like things to be shelf stable we do mm-hmm. we do like that this sugar and stuff solution actually has to be introduced in, like, dilute stages stepping up over a period of days or even weeks to prevent the fruit from, like, essentially exploding at, like, a, at like a cellular level and just mushing all to hell. So Like a cherry bomb. Yeah. Oh, heck. Yeah. That's my revenge karaoke song, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. That's serious. Yeah, if I'm ever singing that and you're around, somebody in the crowd has done something. <laughs> Probably doesn't remember. It's no idea I'm up there because that's Aww. how revenge schemes go. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> I that's not what they're known for. <laughs> oh well. But I but I hey you know. I think that's probably the best way. 
Yeah, I feel like I've accomplished right. something. As long as you feel good about it. Yeah. That's the most important part. It is. Yeah. Oh. Um after all that though, the the cherries can be, you know, packed and pasteurized. Yeah. Yeah. And something that never occurred to me, you can make your own. And now I really want to. Yeah. Um yeah, if you're if you're gonna uh, you can use sweet cherries, but I would personally recommend trying to find yourself some sour cherries. Here in the States, they're they're kind of hard to find fresh unless you live in the Pacific Northwest, where most of them are grown. Um, but you can find them canned or uh, preferably uh, frozen. And Montmorency cherries are maybe the, the most common around here. Um, and although the brand Luxardo no longer preserves their cherries in liquor, um, it, it, is, it is easier. You can skip that brining step. There are lots of recipes online if you want to do this kind of thing. Um, technically, there is a recipe up for the the modern science kind, too. Um, it was published in the Journal of Food Science Education in 2009. But yes, doing that one involves a, a deeper familiarity with, with chemistry practices than I am personal com- com- personally comfortable with. Yeah, that seems like a too much work for something I'll probably just show off one time (laughs) and be like look at this science cherry I made yeah (laughs) the end (laughs) probably don't eat it (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't (laughs) and speaking of oh nutrition yeah um obviously perhaps this this will differ depending on what type of maraschino cherry you're talking about but the serving size for these things is typically a single cherry yeah. Um, you know, which will run you about like 10 calories in terms of sugar content um, and an insignificant amount of anything else. <laughs> right. To quote from that piece in, in, the, in the Journal of Food Science Education, maraschino cherries are not intended to be a significant contributor to our nutritional well-being. Their role is to make food more appealing and by doing so, stimulate food consumption. Hospital dietitians are aware of this and will often place a maraschino cherry on a grapefruit or fruit salad to make their patient's meal more attractive and special. Oh. (laughs) Well, that's nice. (laughs) I mean, they are eye-catching. They are. It's like if I had a choice between a grapefruit with a cherry and one without a cherry, I would go for the cherry. Sure. I mean, I mean, I think I've definitely ordered cocktails before because I knew that there was going to be a cherry in them. <laughs> really? Yeah. Usually the sour cherry type. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good. Those are good. Well, these cherries have quite an interesting history, and we will get into that. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Apple Park. Give me a dolphin. 
What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, okay. At some point in the way back, having been imported from Central Asia, a few varieties of sour cherries developed around Central Europe. And one famous type was the Maraska cherry. It grew in the sandy soil of modern-day Croatia's Dalmatia coastal area across the Adriatic Sea from northern Italy. The maraschino cherry was meant to be a replacement for those difficult, easily bruisable, hard-to-transport cherries. And looking for ways to get around this, some cherry farmers in a couple of different areas around Europe, like Croatia, got the idea to brine the cherries in salt water and then soak them in liquor that was made out of cherries. Around Germany, this was called Kirschwasser, and around Italy, it was called maraschino liquor. All parts of the cherries, too. The, it, the pits, the stems, the leaves... And yeah, uh, maraschino is a type of fruit brandy made from crushing whole marasca cherries, letting them ferment, and then distilling the whole mess. And and the pits give it part of its its nutty, bitter flavor. Marasca, by the way, is a shortening of amarasca, which in turn comes from the Italian word for bitter, amaro, which traces back to the Latin for bitter, which I didn't write down, so that's very useful. <laughs> also, I've heard that that speaking of speaking of mispronouncing things and or not writing them down, um, I've heard that that it should actually be maraschino. Yeah, when you're talking about the liquor. Oh, really? But I'm not. I, I'm so sorry. I'm just not going to say that. I, it's going to. I can't. Yeah. I can't today. I've got a lot. <laughs> This is a battle we cannot win today. Yeah, I'm just going to stick with maraschino. Yeah. Um, I did see that, too, and I was – in the article, it was like, I think you'll be forgiven, and I said, I hope so. I knock on wood. <laughs> I, said, I said, I hope so to no one in particular, <laughs> standing alone at my desk. But, yes, yeah, so so one, one type of, of, this, of this cherry brandy, essentially um, – well, flavored with rose petals called Rosolio Maraschino was extra popular. Um, it had been in the region since medieval times and uh, was made by nuns in convents. All right, nuns. Yeah. Okay. In the 1820s, that's when the Luxardo family, yes, that Luxardo family, moved to Zeta, Croatia from Genova and started making their version of Maraschino liquor. By 1905, they were also using this to preserve cherries. 
cocktail chairs were really popular around this time, too. But around 1900, they were replaced with olives, the cocktail olive. Um, an 1899 article from the Racine Daily illustrates this, quote, In some of the swell uptown establishments, the cocktail olive is getting in its work and bids fair to supplant the twosome cherry with the public. Ah. I've never really put together that, that, yeah, they are pretty similar in shape. And, like, if you're hungry and you order a cocktail, you're going to get one with either a cherry or an olive. I just never really put it together. I always consider an olive martini to be basically a snack. (laughs) It does feel kind of (laughs) (laughs) snackish. Now ready for transport, cherries made the trip across the ocean to the United States. And by the end of the 19th century, this cherry started appearing around the country on ice cream and custards, in salads, where it was seen as the difference between a a so-so salad and a superior dish worthy of praise. Kind of going back to that grapefruit with the the cherry. Yeah. Or not. It, It made a big difference. The real thing was expensive. A luxury, but there was a cheaper version available from France that was made with dyes and sugar. And recipes for preserved cherries appeared before that in America, including in The Complete Housewife in 1742. Huh. Yeah. And of course, cocktails. It was a popular practice to garnish a cocktail with fruit. And when this tinned or jarred, long-lasting, bright red fruit came around, bartenders rejoiced. Um, It was a big deal. So big that in 1906, the New York Times wrote about the cherry, quote, The cherry in the seductive beverage is commonly looked upon as an added temptation for the one who imbibes, and that for women, prime reason for partaking of the liquid. Wow. Yeah. Huh. And it went on. A young woman engaged a room at a fashionable hotel and, after ordering a Manhattan cocktail, immediately sent for another. Soon she was ordering them by the dozen. The management interfered and someone was sent to expostulate with her, also to find out how she had been able to consume so many cocktails. She was found surrounded by the full glasses with the cherry gone. (laughs) I feel like that's probably apocryphal, but it is no less delightful for that fact. (laughs) I don't know why she didn't just call down and say. Be like, hey, can I get a jar of these cherries? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I can't imagine order. I'll, I'll take 12 <laughs> Manhattans, please. <laughs> <laughs> just don't think that'd fly. No. A mere five years later, though, things changed for the maraschino. Its reputation soured. Ah. The culprit? A market flooded with fakes. These fakes were bad news. The red color was achieved with a coal tar byproduct. The flavor was far sweeter, usually due to artificial sweeteners, than the original cherries. The New York Times, singing the praises years earlier, really changed their tune, describing them as, quote, toughened and reduced to the semblance of a formless gummy lump by long imprisonment in a bottle. (laughs) (laughs) That they were an abomination and their utter unfitness has been manifested. We trust that it will disappear. That's, it really took a steep fall right there. (laughs) Spoiler alert, though. It did not disappear. I know we're all surprised. It did go through two redefinitions. The first, courtesy of the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906. The act defined maraschinos as, quote, bottled in maraschino liquor and not in a compound of benzaldehyde, oil of almonds, and glucose. But still, 
Imitations Galore pushed the FDA to release a statement clarifying the difference between a maraschino and an imitation. But despite all of this, Americans couldn't seem to get enough of them. A 1915 New York Agricultural Experiment Station report attributed it to, quote, the fashion of adding preserved cherries as much for ornamentation as to give flavor to many drinks and ices. <sighs> yeah. Makes them more special. It does. And this brings us to a section on something that changed most things in the drink world here in the United States with ripples out everywhere else. Prohibition. Yes. But first... It brings us to another quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so prohibition. <laughs> this did, in fact, impact maraschino cherries um, because it was decreed that they could no longer be preserved in alcohol just in case folks were getting drunk off of them. Uh. I think more probably it was an, an anxiety around the fact that children were possibly getting tipsy off their Sunday topped with a maraschino cherry. Oh, what's the world coming to? These children with their alcohol-soaked cherries. Oh, gosh. (laughs) A scientist at Oregon State University seeing, like, a cherry signal in the sky (laughs) would not let the maraschino fade out of existence. Nay, he used a non-alcoholic solution with calcium salts, which prevented mushiness but did bleach, bleach them white to brine them, and then they were pitted. And once this process was completed, the cherries could be flavored and dyed. Um, And yeah, not just red either. For a while, bright green and bright blue were pretty common, Mm -hmm. kind of a fad. Um, But this this whole prohibition story, is it a myth? A conspiracy? Possibly. (laughs) 
The Oregon State University professor had been working on a way to preserve the cherries that didn't require alcohol because the alcohol makes them shrunken and wrinkly, and prohibition was just a happy coincidence, maybe. Also, the East Coast had a process for flavoring and coloring maraschino cherries at the time. This OSU professor, Dr. E.H. Vinegard, specifically came up with the brining process. Um, And I read that there's a class at OSU called Maraschino Cherry 102. Is this true, listeners? Is it true? I think it's true. I think it is. It was certainly true for a while. Yes. I hope it's still true. It sounds great. Yes. Quote, the maraschino cherry serves as a vehicle from which faculty give their disciplinary perspective. For example, the chemistry of the maraschino cherry, processing unit operations, microbiology and food safety, food law, sensory analysis, product development, and so on. This laboratory lecture unit was developed to provide reference background information, including instructions for making maraschino cherries. I was beautiful. more and more excited I as know. I read that. I was like, i got to get in this class. <laughs> Can I take it online? <laughs> and to this day, two of the biggest manufacturers of maraschinos are in Oregon. And if you're wondering why Oregon, because I was, the state has a pretty good climate for growing cherries. But again, they are tough to transport and temperamental, so it makes sense researchers were working on ways to preserve them, prohibition or not. Before this, Oregon Royal or Queen Anne cherries and U.S. cherries in general were looked down upon as being inferior and mushier to their European counterparts. Ah. With the threat of extinction over with, maraschinos made a comeback during prohibition, um, dotting sweets and fruit cups, despite the fact that they weren't really cherries anymore, (laughs) in the strictest sense, perhaps. The only remnant of its cherry ancestry was the cellulose. And this became what people expected. When a committee set about defining the maraschino in 1940, they concluded that the American consumer public wanted a cherry that unnaturally red, unnaturally sweet, and unnaturally flavored with bitter almond oil. Not only did the FDA agree, but in 1975, so did an association of maraschino cherry producers saying there is no such thing as a natural maraschino cherry. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. But Americans didn't care. Indeed, (laughs) this unnatural thing was our desire. We wanted them in our old fashions, in our whiskey sours, in our aspects, in our salads. One recipe from 1947 for a Betty Crocker maraschino cake required 16 maraschinos. It's not that much for a whole cake. I think it was like, you know, the pineapple slices, the the rings, and you put the cherries in the middle. Oh, wow. Uh, There was a rumor that got started around this time that maraschinos were soaked in formaldehyde. Um, probably a mix-up with benzaldehyde, and uh, this is the same stuff in Dr. Pepper, which I do recognize that flavor note. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ben- benzaldehyde is a compound that occurs in both sweet and sour cherries and also in almonds, which are in the same genus as cherries, and they're not technically a nut. They're a seed. And I I had a whole moment at my desk. I didn't know this, but okay. Um, uh, so... Anyway, uh, almonds are a richer source of benzaldehyde than cherries, so that's why almond extract is is used as an artificial cherry flavoring. That's fascinating. Yeah. I We really need to do an almond episode now, and it's going to be kind of depressing, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> depressing and exciting. Excellent. <laughs> 
Maraschino liqueur was very popular around this time, too. According to the 1939 The Gentleman's Companion, maraschino is so essential that no fairly equipped bar can afford to be without it. Oh, I sort of agree. Meanwhile, World War II would destroy the original Luxardo distillery and take the lives of several family members. But one Giorgio Luxardo escaped to northern Italy with a recipe and a morasca sapling after World War II and was able to restart the business. Mm-hmm. In the 1960s, the FDA banned the dyes that had been most commonly used for maraschino cherries since the 1920s due to some cancer concerns. Uh, that was red, red number four. But producers petitioned the FDA. They, they said that the alternative, red number two, was too purpley and not light-stable enough. Um, and the FDA made an exception. What? Only for about six years. But yeah, uh, they were like, yeah, sure. Okay. This has been proven to cause cancer, but it's just one cherry. <laughs> Under normal use conditions, no one's going to get bladder cancer from a single cherry. <laughs> Wow. And, uh, yeah, only only for about six years. When a more acceptable alternative came along in 1971, the FDA rescinded their exception. The dye used these days is red dye number 40, which is not the one with all the cancer concerns around it, or not the main one with the <laughs> cancer concerns around it. The EU didn't permit the use of this dye until 1995. Huh. Yeah. As the neon bright shelf cocktail mixes of the 80s fell out of style in the 90s, so too did the maraschino. At the same time, though, bartenders wanted to find a suitable replacement, and they followed the maraschino family tree back to 1905 and the Luxardo cherries, the product of the Luxardo family. To preserve their cherries, they used beet sugar and cherry juice syrup. The result was less neon red and more maroon and the flavor less punchier in the mouth, sweet, <laughs> and more almondy. Um, and the more natural cherry became the preferred cherry of cocktails and bartenders. And the demand has risen so much that the Luxardos had to plant more trees, like 5,000 more trees. Um, a sort of re-origin story that comes up a lot credits New York City Pegu Club bartender Audrey Saunders with reintroducing America to the Luxardo cherry in 2004. That Luxardo brand is still family operated. The seventh generation currently works there. Wow. Mm. Just making some some cherries. Just making some maraschino liqueur and some maraschino cherries. Yeah. It's a really interesting... It was an interesting episode to research. Yeah. Oh goodness. It it really was one of those ones where I was like, oh, oh, I have oh I have fifty tabs open. <laughs> How did this happen to me? For something that we kind of just encounter in very specific situations. Right. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go next time I'm at the store, I'm gonna see if I can find like a blue or a bright like a yellow one. Yeah, yeah, they've got yellow ones and orange ones. Yeah, I, I I don't think I've ever seen them in the wild. I know I've seen green and red because the green ones are sometimes popular in like fruit cakes and stuff like that, oh. like especially around Christmas time, yeah. Uh-huh. But I would love to know from um listeners around the world is this a thing <laughs> elsewhere? <laughs> I know it is in Europe, but just curious. Yeah. Cocktail cherries, is it a thing? <laughs> Are maraschino cherries a thing specifically? 
Is anything a thing? Is anything a thing? It's getting deep. It is. Maybe we should move on. I guess we should. To <gasps> listener mail. Okay. That was that was like a like a piano falling from a I'm I'm I'm, I'm always trying to like like interpret your hand gestures. <laughs> I was thinking of the cherry like falling oh, to the bottom of the was, glass. Ah, I yeah. get you. Mm-hmm. Cherry bomb. Yeah. <laughs> revenge. Revenge song. All right. Sarah wrote, I recently listened to your episode on Cod. While I no longer live there, I grew up on Cape Cod. As a child, I didn't have much interest in the place I was living, so it was great to hear some of the history. Also, the town I grew up in is named Sandwich. What? And yes, the town does have a police force. Every so often, a meme of a sandwich police car will make their rounds on the internet, and it makes me smile. Oh. It makes us smile, too. You can tour the Cape Cod Potato Chip Factory. Perhaps the best part of the tour is getting a free little bag of chips at the end. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> sandwich PD. Oh, that's, that's a thing of beauty. It is. Athena wrote, for the last year and a half, I've been on the search for the perfect recipe for sourdough. I've experimented with ratios, seeds, and types of flour. While I've made some darn good loaves and discovered toasted sesame seeds elevate sourdough to a whole new level of deliciousness, I've never succeeded in creating flavor-bursting crust. That is, until your podcast. You mentioned that bread was previously made with beer instead of water. I sat on that idea for a few months until last month when I used a can of beer from Birdsong Brewing Company and replaced half of the water with a tasty ale. What a success! My boyfriend declared it my best bread yet, and we devoured both loaves in five days. My next sourdough mission is to use beer and add toasted sesame seeds. I can only imagine how delicious that will taste! While I'm usually a fan of modern advancements, taking the beer out of sourdough was clearly a failed idea put forth by people who don't like good food. I want some of this bread so much. Oh, right? Ugh. Huh. I'm still craving hot dogs from that episode. <laughs> it's just a long list we create for ourselves of foods. Well, eventually I'm going to have to get some of this, some of this. <laughs> I had hot dogs. I had pho. I'm still kind of craving pho, though. Oh, I'm always craving pho. Hmm, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. Well, now I'm, I'm going to have to add sourdough back onto the list. Oh. No. That's okay. It's only fair. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to both of them for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at foodstuffhsw and also on Instagram at foodstuff. We do hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan. Thank you to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. 
And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.